Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Strong Christian Female Podcast. I'm your host, Charity, and this is a community of women who want to be warriors for Jesus Christ. We are kicking off the desire to be comfortable and embracing a wholehearted abandonment to Him alone. Not through legalism, not through works, but through His grace and mercy. We're going to overcome the lies of this culture and replace them with the eternal truth of God's Word. So, whether you're a student, a stay-at-home mom, a grandma, an entrepreneur, whether you're new to the walk of Christianity, or a veteran spiritual warrior, you are welcome here. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. This is Strong Christian Female, and I want to welcome you to 2023. I don't know when you're listening to this in history, but um, 2023 sounds like like apocalyptic times. I don't know why, but we're here. We made it, and it's going to be a great year. Uh, I wanted to start this year off with someone who has such deep perspective on struggle and yet has such a wonderful sense of humor about this life. Her name is Tess Scott. She's a beautiful Canadian. She has been through multiple divorces. She married her husband twice. She has raised eight boys. She's now a grandmother. She's been through breast cancer. And as she puts it, breast cancer, bathroom renovations, and menopausal hormones. She's wonderful. She is someone who just came to the foot of the cross in the most dire situations, and God has led her through it. She has a great book called Listen, Sister, Finding Hope in the Freak Show of Life. And man, isn't that the truth? We are sort of in a freak show of life right now, you guys. And if you're not, God bless you. And I mean that, like, preach that from the mountaintops and just rest in that. We should have peace and joy and love and all the fruits of the spirit, but the world around us is sort of losing its mind, you guys. So if you need to laugh and you need truth, Tess is your gal. Now, this is a little bit of a more serious conversation at times because she really has such a beautiful story of God just bringing her through so much, but she has such a great sense of humor. She's honest, she's lighthearted, but she has deep revelation of the love of Jesus. So without further ado, Tess Scott. Ladies, today is such a wonderful day. I know I've already introduced her to you. This is Tess Scott. She's we. I, what I love about this platform is I can talk to someone in Ontario, Canada, and we look. It's like we're almost. It's like you're sitting across the room from me. I and uh, Tess, I when when we connected online, one of the things that I saw that number well, there's three things honestly that stood out to me. Number one, and I know you're going to talk about these things today. You you have eight boys. I have three, mm-hmm. and and I, I I I don't know what it's like to raise eight boys. I I just love other boy moms though because mm-hmm. they get it, <laughs> and I don't say that as a, as disrespectful to our sons. It's just it is different. It's the, being the only female representative in the house is weird, honestly, sometimes, and that can be a challenge. Secondly you overcame breast cancer. And thirdly, mm-hmm. you married your husband twice. Okay. Those three things went boom, boom, boom. When I was reading mm-hmm. about you and I was like, okay, this is a woman that has perspective. So mm-hmm. I'm going to pass this off to you. 
Um, we, and I know ladies remember below is all the links you ever need to reach out to Tess to get her book, to learn more about her. But Tess, thank you so much for being here. Please, uh, I don't know where you want to start. I'm just going to follow you and listen because I know I'm going to learn some stuff today. Oh, thanks, Charity. Thanks for having me on. I love speaking to women and encouraging them. That's what I feel like the calling on my life, you know, that God has called me to is to share my story um, and just encourage women because we're all living in a freak show of life. Yeah. And I, that kind of description of life came when we were raising eight boys. Mm -hmm. So we have a blended family. I've been married four times and I'm not even a celebrity. So, but well done. We have, oh, thank you. So we have a blended family. Um, my husband brought in a couple kids from his first marriage. I had some kids. We adopted a special needs son and then I got pregnant just to make it an even eight, um, sort of not on purpose, but you know, it was God's purpose and it was fun and it was wild and it was a freak show. So we had five teenagers at one time living in our house and the milk, like the milk alone. Yes. I know. I know it is the weirdest thing. It's like they're a magnet to the, to the milk or something. We could have really kept a cow busy for a few years there. But in, in Canada, we could get our milk in bags, like you have jugs probably, but our milk is in bags. So a, a bag is about a jug. And we went through 10 a week. So more than one a day in those years of, of a testosterone filled house of all these boys and every day wrestling on our kitchen was this big open area. And every day there was wrestling on the floor just to sort of get your pecking order. You know, it wasn't who was oldest. It was who could take who and all those kinds of things. But I am really thankful that I'm a boy mom because I think that, I mean, I'm just a better mom for boys. I can't do hair. I don't get the whole emotion thing, you know, and I would be, be not a great girl mom, but I love my boys. And I also love that most of them are grown up. So I'm not wishing to be back in that time. My youngest one is 19. He's still at home in college playing basketball for the basketball team. So people say, what's he taking in college? And I say, basketball. He's like, he's on the team and there's some other courses involved, but I don't know what they are because he doesn't, he doesn't care about them. It's just, he's just wants to play basketball. So, um, cause he's 19 and he is, um, mostly a delight, mostly <laughs> he's a teenager. Well, and we don't talk about the hormone thing for boys, but that's a real thing. Um, yeah. Men don't like to admit that, but I'm like, mm, we're going to avoid you today. I love you. I'm here. Yes. I'm going to hide Way over here. <laughs> Give me some Morris code if you need help. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go hide in the bedroom from you now. <laughs> but you said, how many grandkids? I'm sorry, except on that. So we have nine grandkids, awesome. three, three, and three so far. Yeah, and it's really fun. It's really oh. fun. Yeah, but I've learned a lot of things along the way. Usually, always the hard way. And I want to encourage other moms and other women who maybe aren't even necessarily moms um, coming along from some of the things that, like I say, I've, I've made a lot of mistakes and I knew that God was calling me or I was pretty sure. I mean, God never says, God never talks to me in this big bellowing voice. Thank goodness. Cause who could stand? Right. So I feel like, I feel like I'm reading my um, Bible and I'm doing my devotions and I read this and I'm like, oh, I feel like God wants me to do that. And then, 
you know, I'm reading another book and I hear the same thing. And then I'm at church on Sunday and the pastor speaks about that very thing. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm driving home from church and on the Christian radio station, this song come on, comes on and it's like, Tess, obey God. You know, like there is no doubt in my mind that I knew that I knew that I knew that God wanted me to somehow share my story. So I said, no, because, you know, I was, um, I was scared. <laughs> I didn't, because sharing your life and sharing your mistakes and being that vulnerable about your life is, it's terrifying. Yeah. Right. It's, it's really, really terrifying. And, um, so I just kind of put it on hold, you know, and I was getting ready for work. I was working at a community college at the fire school, every girl's dream, not really. And, um, <laughs> and I was working and I was administrative assistant there and I was putting on my makeup in the morning and I looked in the mirror and my smile was kind of crooked. You know, and not like that cute crooked smile thing from like a 1950s song, but like the left hand side was up and the right hand side was down. It was kind of weird, like kind of looking whacked. And uh, I thought that's weird. So I kept putting on my makeup and getting ready because, you know, this doesn't just happen. And uh, so I went to work and opened the door and got everything ready. And my and I kept looking at my phone, like looking at myself, thinking this is going to get better. Right. You know. Um, and my boss came through the door and he looked at me and he took a double double look, you know, and he said, Whoa, what is wrong with your face? Oh no. There is no woman who wants to hear that. No, no, no. Thank goodness it wasn't your husband. Hey, what's wrong with your face? Yeah. It's not like good morning, honey. No. no, no. So he sent me to emerge. And um, if you show up like that, they get you right in. You don't even have to go to the waiting room. And yeah, they ran away. That's <laughs> yeah. good. You look bad. So they ran a bunch of tests. Uh, they called my husband in, and by the time he arrived, I I couldn't, my, um, I couldn't see very well. Like my eyes were very blurry and my words were all garbled and, um, I was scared. Like they said, you might be having a stroke. And so I was scared. And I remember thinking in my non garbled mind, um, Lord, what are you doing? Like, I thought you wanted me to share and now I can't see and I can't speak and I don't understand. So I was, I was in the hospital for three days and then they sent me home and they said it wasn't a stroke. It was a TIA. Oh. So a tra- a transient ischemic attack. attack. Yeah, I've had yeah. one. Tess, we're, we're TIA yeah. buddies. It's yeah, we are. Terrible. I was listening going, gosh, this is so familiar. Mine yeah. a little more sudden story to tell, ladies. I'll tell it another time. Yeah. But I know exactly what that is. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. It's terrifying, but no long-term effects. So no. we came home and I said to my husband, I am so thankful. This was a false alarm. And a man looked at me and he said, was it Tess or was it a real alarm? Was it God saying to you that we all only have so many days in this earth and you don't know your number? You don't know. And you know, he's asking you to do this. And I think that you need to quit work. I'll work 10 years longer till I retire. You know, you'll quit work, come home and do the thing. And so I did. I went back he is a good man. That's well why I married done, him. husband. That is amazing. Ricky. Ricky's a good man. So I went back to work and I quit this job that I loved. I love that job. And all the people that I liked, you know, that I rubbed shoulders with every day. It was a great place to work. And I came home and started writing. And um, yeah, in a few months, I had a book contract. Like that is God. That is like, I don't even know how to write. And this is like... The, the goodness of the most awesome God is, is that that could even happen. 
And yeah, and then there's no looking back from there. Wow. Okay, Mm -hmm. there's like 10 things I could I could spiral off on, but I'm not going to. First of all, when you were talking about that, I'm just going to call it that echo that like everywhere you went, whether it was reading your Bible, driving to work, seeing a bulletin board, hearing your pastor's voice, praying this continual, I I call it a nagging. It's like this, it's just this echo. And it's, it's almost like a nagging. It's like, it's, 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 it's almost waking. It's not waking up in the middle of the night per se, but as you wake up in the morning, it's what you're thinking about. Can you talk to people? Cause there's so many people I know that say, I never hear from God. God never talks Mm -hmm. to me. And, and I don't believe God has to talk to you to Mm -hmm. know he is God. He is sovereign. He's your savior to have peace, love, joy, hope, patience, to all have all that. However, I do believe he is talking to us. Mm -hmm. So can you maybe expand a little bit? If someone were to say, Tess, I never have anybody talk to me. What's it like when he talks to you? You, you, you touched on that, but can you expand on that just a little bit before we move, move on? Cause I do want to talk about a few other things, including, how God guided the process of you writing this book, but how did you, how did you come to connect? That's gotta be God. Well, first I would say to people like, ask God, Mm. ask God to show you, you know, if you, if you don't know what he wants you to do, or you don't think that he has a calling on your life, because by the way he does, then just ask him. And be in the word all the time and listening. Have I have a little piece of paper and I write down things that are like when God places it on your heart. And at first I thought like with lots of different things, not just then this, like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if this is really true, but I'm just going to write it down now. This is what I think that I'm hearing. This is what I think God's saying. But then another day I'm reading a totally different part of the Bible about something totally different. And the same thoughts come to me, you know? And, and it's more like the consistency of those thoughts and from different areas. And, and it could be reading like a, like a book by an author that, and, and the same sort of theme is in that book. Like it's more the consistency of like the nagging, like you said, um, and then asking God to be, to be clear, right? Like it's a relationship that we have with God. That's so, um, so close that we can say like our thoughts, I I'm not sure if this is true. Like, can you just make sure that I understand that this is true? Cement this in my mind if this is what you're saying to me. Yeah. And and God is glad to do that. I mean, he wants to be in that kind of relationship with us. Yeah, absolutely. So you took that as a, you you had that happening. And then this event, the TIA happens. Yeah. And interestingly, it sounds like you didn't have this revelation of, man, I gotta, I gotta get on that. Like, I can't keep putting that off. I think, I think as, uh, as humans, we procrastinate, right. Mm-hmm. And we develop. And a lot of that to me, I've learned, God has shown me it's because I haven't developed habits around moving forward in whatever it is he's telling me to do. I'm just sitting back waiting for this, you know, compulsion to come or this plan to show up or these habits to just naturally fall from the sky. The truth Mm -hmm. is, is saying, this is where I want you to go. And you have to like pick up your machete and start hacking through the woods sometimes. And he's going to be with you, but it's not, it's not just this, this beautiful path laid out in front of you. That's so simple. So here you are, your husband actually says, Honey, mm-hmm. listen, maybe God is just giving you a glimmer of the fact that you have only so many days on this earth. And even mm-hmm. though we all know 
it is true God doesn't need us, but he has called his church to be the catalyst that bring people to Christ. So when you finally sit down to write this book, how did you narrow down what you wanted to write about? Well, the book, I knew I wanted to encourage women. And um, the book is filled with short stories of just things that happened in my life. So it's not a biography of my life. It's more like the story of um, of the day that I wore my son's pants for the day and how that turned out. Or the story, they're all, they're all funny. Well, the most of them are funny and they're all embarrassing and true. Um, but, but then what I learned from that, you know, so just like a two minute story to read and then laugh and, um, and then a verse and then what I learned, how I saw God working in that in my life. So I had some stories I had written in a blog. So I used some of those and then, you know, I just asked God to keep bringing stories to my mind. And it's funny because when I got the, so I had to do like a, it's called, what's it called? It's called a book, a book proposal. I knew I'd get it. It's called a book proposal. I had to do a book proposal and send it to see if I could get a contract. And I thought I would, I've heard of people having to send several of them to different Um, publishers. And I thought it would take a long time, but I'm just every day doing the next thing that God's asking me to do. Cause I don't see the whole picture, but I do know what he's asking me to do in this step. So I'm just doing one step at a time. That's all I can handle one step at a time. So I'm working on this book contract. I went on a summit. Um, My brother is an amazing uh, marketer. Um, he has an improv group. He's fabulous. And he had a summit. So it was about, the summit was about um, finding, it was about um, stepping out in faith. So I thought, okay, well, I'm stepping out in faith. So I spoke on it and a bunch of other people spoke on this. And one of them was a publisher um, from a publishing company. So I kind of got connected or knew his name because of that and sent him a message. And he said, send me a book proposal, read this book, do the proposal, you're going to hate it. It's awful. It's like a very long process. And but you have to do the whole thing. And he was totally right. It was awful. But I did it. And the book proposal makes you um, like you have to think about things like, why me? Like, why is someone going to listen to me? How am I different than other Christian women writing books, for instance? And the difference, I think the difference with me is I don't know anything. Like, I mean, in the way that like my life, I am not, I didn't go to seminary. My husband's not a pastor. I mean, I'm a real person, not that they're not, but I mean, I'm a real person. And I want to tell other women who have had freak show lives, you know, like if you're beating yourself up because in your past there's divorce or in the past you've had an affair or in the past, whatever it is, and those things are coming back and, you know, um, you're living in guilt and all these things, like those kinds of things. I want to say, I've been there. I yeah. am that woman and there is hope. So yeah. those are, some, you know, so that, that was a good process because um, I had to think through all that and work through all that. And what is God really asking me to do? And what is the goal of this whole yeah. thing? And uh, it was really good. It was a really good process. Well, and I feel like one of the things that the Bible talks about in Acts is 
that when the disciples went out and were sharing their testimony of Jesus, who he was, his death on the cross, his resurrection, that's when, when they're giving that testimony, but that he, they could go toe to toe with anybody in the temple. And it said that even the people that opposed them marveled because they were uneducated, unlearned men, meaning they hadn't spent their whole life, you know, studying to be these holy men, to be these priests, to be these rabbis, but their depth of spiritual insight through the life and the experience they had with Jesus Christ was marveled. So I love that you say that because I feel like there's so many women um, and men who are sitting on the fence saying, well, what am I going to tell these people? What am, who am I? I don't, I don't have this degree or this background. Here's something that I love about Jesus. He takes fishermen. <laughs> he takes tax collectors he, you know, Luke was a doctor, although, you know, he wasn't one of the 12. He takes people and says, I don't care what it is you do for a living. I don't care what your education is about. What I care about is your mind. And I will use any tool you have in your tool belt to preach the gospel, whether it's motherhood, overcoming breast cancer, marrying your husband twice, whether it's the failure that you learned from the TI, everything. He's like, I'll take it all. I will take it all and make a beautiful piece of art for the world to marvel at, not because of us, but because of the craftsman that's crafted it. So I think there's so many women that are hopefully hearing you today saying, oh my gosh, that's, that's how I feel. I'm and I'm putting quotes, ladies, just a mom. There's no such thing, but I'm just a mom. I'm just, I'm just a homemaker. I'm just that. I'm just that. I only work at Walmart. I own, there's no such thing. God says, if you're mine, it's enough. I want to use you. Um, and pulling from that, I, I would love for you to talk about your experience with breast cancer, because this is, this is a perversion of cells that invade your body and starts to just take over. There are probably people who've been through that that are listening today or watching someone go through that. Is there anything that you feel like you learned during that process that you would love for people to know? Oh man, I learned so much. So I have to tell, I have to do a little bit of back up a little bit from that. Um, so my third husband, Rick and I, um, were, got divorced. Like he, he was leaving. I thought that I was good. I'm following the Lord. I'm doing Bible studies. I'm like, I think everything's going along tickety boo. Our life is a freak show. We got these teenagers and you know, everything's crazy, but I didn't see it coming. And, um, so when it started to fall apart and he said he was leaving, like I spent weeks with my face in the green carpet of my bedroom, just begging God, like, don't let this happen again, please. Like there's some shame still in the church. Um, I don't want it, you know, what all the reasons. So, but he did, he allowed it to happen and we got separated and then divorced and we were divorced for three years. And every day, almost every single day, I prayed that God would change his heart. I barely had like talked to him because he, he's kind of passive aggressive. So he wouldn't answer me. Um, but there was never fighting like, you know, and then, um, I'll leave out lots of parts, but um, then he started talking to me again and gave me a ride somewhere. And like, this is weird. And then we start, he wanted to be in my life. He just wanted to be in our life. Um, and, and, you know, he regretted so many things and, I mean, God has totally changed him into a different person. It's bizarre. And so we dated, he lived at his house. I lived in my house and we dated for nine months almost. And then we got married again and he moved in. And it's just, 
it was the biggest miracle. Like it was like, it's just unbelievable to me that God could change a man so much. And, and just the, just the gift that was to our family. Um, so anyway, so we got married on September the 9th of 2016 and, in the, in the church, in the pastor's office, because your fourth wedding, you never really have a big splash, I find. So yeah. it's just a little like event. Like time yeah. you've had four kids. Everybody's like, they have everything. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. Well, you could, it's starting to wear out though. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So um, um, let's see, three weeks after that date, I went for a routine mammogram and was diagnosed with breast cancer three weeks after our wedding. And the first year of our marriage was walking through mastectomy, um, chemo, radiation, and all of that. The breast, can breast cancer center, the cancer hospital is about an hour away from our house. So, you know, lots of drives. Yeah. And, and he was there through it all. And I thought at the time, I remember calling out to God because, you know, I wasn't happy about it. And, <laughs> and saying like, this is the worst timing are you kidding me? Like finally, like five years, I get to now have a husband and have that kind of a physical relationship, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And like, this is supposed to be the best year ever. And this is what's happening. And I was mad. And, but what I learned, because we don't learn at the moment, right? We learn later. And sometimes we never know. And sometimes we can look back and play that reel over in our minds and see how God put the pieces together. Yeah. And I can say that that was the best timing charity because that allowed me to, like I had to allow my husband to take care of me. Mm. I, I had no choice because I needed him like physically to help me wash my hair and get, you know, all those things at the first and drive me and take care of me. And I was sick and all that. And if it had been different and he heard I was sick and, you know, called me up and said, Hey, I hear you're sick. I'm thinking of coming back. I would have been like, ah, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, no, no, thanks. <laughs> you don't get to see me this way and whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, so what this did was it allowed him to show that he loved me. It allowed my kids to see our kids to see that dad's back in this. Right. And, and it was just honestly, I mean, the best timing, if there's ever a good timing to have cancer. So, I am thankful yeah. for that. I'm thankful for the timing. I'm thankful that he could be here with me for that. And now I'm, I'm good, you know, but I remember a time walking through that when I had lost my hair from chemo and I'm not a really pretty bald lady. And I think losing your hair is, I think that was the hardest part for me um, because of the I don't know. It, it, you just feel so vulnerable and everybody can see it. Like they can, yeah. you know, lop off, they can lop off my boob and nobody would ever know. Yeah. You know, you, you wear sweaters and I, you know, not like I had tons of cleavage anyway, but your hair, even though you're wearing a wig or whatever, everybody just knows. Yeah. And I remember crying and saying to him, you didn't know when you came back that you were going to be married to someone who had a mastectomy that you are going to be married to someone who loses all their hair, you know, that you're going to be married to someone and you're going to have to take all these days off work. You took six weeks off work and that that's going to be your life for all these months and listening to me complain about it all. Uh, and this is what he said. He said, Tess, I knew when I married you that we are going to grow old together 
and be together till one of us dies. And likely one of us is going to someday have to take care of the other one. And that is what I am in for. And that was a gift to me. A gift. Wow. Hmm. Can you just to tag off that? Number one, I just feel like maybe there's ladies watching that they don't have that in their life. Maybe they're alone uh, and it Mm. wasn't their choice or it was their choice or maybe not yet. Their spouse Mm -hmm. is that kind of person. Mm -hmm. Can you share with me what you would want them to hear from God's Mm -hmm. heart? Like even if they're, they may be going through turmoil in their life, maybe it is a divorce, maybe it's, maybe it is cancer. And they're like, but Tessa, I don't have that person. Yeah. Can you just in this moment, just say, I I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, but what encouragement would you want them to hear? I had some good counseling, um, especially when we first split up, I was, it was really hard and, and, um, and I had good, a good Christian counselor and I had to learn that God is my husband because one of the things that I did wrong when we were married before was he was, Rick was the most important thing to me. And because it was my third marriage, I was all about making sure that it worked. Like no matter what, he was the center of my life before anybody and anything else. And I am thankful that he didn't say, okay, I will stay, but we no longer go to church. You no longer go to Bible study. You know, you change your life. We are not going to be Christians anymore. And I will stay. I might've done it. Like, I don't know if I would have, because I was so desperate for him. Like, I felt like I can't exist without him. And that is wrong. It's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. And I had to learn that God is my everything. And he is my husband. He is everything to me. And maybe the only way I could learn that was to have only him. Maybe. And I did. That's, that's how I felt. I needed God to breathe sometimes. I, it, it was, yeah, just to get that breath. And I'm sure whether like this is someone's situation or there's lots of other situations that make us feel like that. Like we can't even breathe but God is there. I mean, he was in the green carpet of my bedroom. He gave me that strength to get through each day. Wow. You know, that is, that is so refreshing because so many of us put so many things in front of God. Mm -hmm. And even though God, you know, this is not the time to go into the theology of it, you know, God allowed us choice. He allows mm-hmm. our choices to affect the world around us, the globe, our own children, our schools, mm-hmm. our churches, yeah. what we do impacts things for the good or for the bad. Mm-hmm. But there are things also in this world that, you know, death is here because of the sin of man. And part of death is disease. And even though I know people and you know people, I'm sure that have been healed miraculously Mm -hmm. from things. And we're, I'm here to say, yay, God, but it doesn't mean that everyone experiences their healing in that instantaneous, miraculous way. 
Um, I also believe God gave doctors the desire to fix things because God does have a way of fixing the broken. And yet he uses us again as a catalyst. So I'm, I'm pro medicine. I'm also pro miracles. I think you can be both. Um, I don't think these are opposing viewpoints, but, but I love what you said because in a time where people are finally pulling out of two years of forced isolation, Mm -hmm. some people are have experienced a very um, lonely time. Mm -hmm. However, my prayer is what you said is that we come out with a different focus in that God is my life. He is everything to me. He is the center of my world. Now, all of those relationships, even if they were good relationships, couldn't be anymore. Hopefully we didn't all develop a relationship with our, with our internet, but as we know, that doesn't satisfy so, so to hear nothing else satisfies, whether you're desperate or not desperate is, is beautiful. And for your, for God to heal your marriage by bringing you apart, but then bringing you back together is also such a miracle. I, I want to end with this question. And of course I do say that. And sometimes I do tag one on, so be prepared. Um, I, I'm going to try and end with this question. Tess, after now that you've written this book, and it forced you to look at these moments of your life, probably funny ones for the most part, because your perspective is so, so honest. Like, it's like, you guys were knuckleheads. Like we're, we're not a laugh at life or else life's going to drown you from day one. Um, but they, do you see in hindsight, having now written this book, having to put these memories down on paper? I know you mentioned it, but just how would you encourage other people to look at their life with the beauty of recognition? God was there. God was working. God was doing something. We might've walked away right at moments of our lives, but, but God's going to pull all this together. Your life is not for not mistakes or not. How would you Mm. encourage people to look at their life the same way and see God in all circumstances? Yeah, I think, I think it's really important. I, I say that the first thing to do is remember, and that's how to find hope, right? We're all looking for hope, especially right now um, in our world. And the first thing that that we can do is remember the things that we know that we've seen God do. And mm-hmm. and I, so we can talk about how um, God led the Israelites across the Red Sea and all those things. And then he wanted them to take stones and build this monument so they'd remember all the things he did, Right. And my, my husband won't let me build a big monument in the backyard of stones. So I journal, right? And then reading that, I journal every day and just write like a couple, like five minutes, the things that you're praying about, the things God's doing, things you're thankful for. And then when you read that later, that's immense in your mind. Oh yeah, a year ago, I was praying that we would get that. And look what God did. Yeah. Because sometimes you're right. We have short memories and we don't always remember that God was faithful. But the thing is, he always was and he always will be faithful. He can't help but be. Wow. Wow. And I so I'm going to be transparent, Tess. My my listeners know that me and journaling are not friends. And yet Mm -hmm. I write a ton. It's weird. But I do. But I do agree with you. When God has a revelation for your life, write it down. Even if you're not a journaler, ladies, I'm sorry. I wish I was a better journaler, but I do write constantly. And it is these little nuggets through life that God is showing me. So, so I say I'm not a journal, but it doesn't mean I'm not a writer or a keeper of um, what God is revealing to me. 
Um, and if you aren't, but you want to be, um, I love, I just love that looking back and remembering someone said this to me, even if it's only for your children, Mm. write it down because it's not about, look at me. I'm awesome. Like Instagram tries to make our life. It's look at God and what he did. Look at God. I'm a living Testament. And even if it's again, just for your kids to say, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I didn't even know all this stuff God did in mom's life. Mm-hmm. Did you know that when we went to that place when we were kids, this is why that's because God did this. Isn't that amazing? Did you know when yeah. we moved into that house, mom mentioned it, but I kind of didn't pay attention. I'm reading yeah. this now and I'm realizing the re- the only reason we got that house was because of what God did. Did you yeah. know that when we, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I, yeah. and I love that you actually took the time to make it into a book. And mm-hmm. I, and I want to encourage women out there again, even if it's for your own kids, write it down. Mm-hmm. Maybe you someday will print a book. Maybe you won't, but you writing something that's going to be a piece of your legacy that all points back to God. And ultimately that's what our lives are for is to bring God glory. We bring God glory through, through the riffraff and the knucklehead mistakes that we make. I, I want to, I want to end by, by letting people know, um, again, the book is called listen, sister, finding hope in the freak show of life. It's all linked below. We, you mentioned that your, that your husband and you came up with this. So I fibbed, I fibbed. I, I am going to ask one more question. Um, when you came up with this title, which again, I've mentioned from the beginning, I love it. How, how, how did you how did that just pop in your head? Was that just, I guess, let me put it this way. Freak show can make people think one of two things. They can think like we're a hot mess. Nothing's ever going to work out, which is not how I take it at all. Versus like life's hard. You got, it like throws bullets at you and all you're wanting is a pretty day walking through the forest. And then, so I've walked through the forest and had animals come at me. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, like pheasants, or like, just walking through the forest and this like quail mother, you know, this mama bird has babies and I don't know. And they just won't let me walk past. And I'm like, I have to get back to my car. That to me is what I think of when I think of freak show is you yeah. can't predict it. You're just yeah. going on bobbing your merry way. And yet I, what I love about this title is life is unpredictable yes. to get our attention. Right. And so when you say, you know, listen, sister you know, just finding, find, just finding God in the freak show of life. What is one piece of advice you would give people who they are in a freak show right now? I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't know what that is, whether it's legitimate medical issues or whether it's that bird in the forest, just like, I'm just trying to live for Jesus and it won't stop coming at me. How do you find sense of humor in that? Did you find your humor after the fact? Do you find it in the middle? Do you, how do you learn instead of looking back like, God, that's yeah. funny to be like, let's take a step back and let's have some fun. You guys, this is not, if you can't, I told my kids, if I can't control it, I stopped worrying about it. Yes. I, I didn't, I didn't stop, you know, planning to overcome it. But if I literally can't control it, I have no fear. Because there's nothing I can do. If a, mm-hmm. if a truck switches lanes on an icy road, this has happened to me. And I'm looking at them going river, mountainside, other car coming at me. There's nothing I can do here, God. And by the skin of my teeth, you know, there's, there's something that I'm here today. So it, it worked out. But in that moment, I'm like, okay, here we go. 
there's nothing I can yeah. do, friends. I'm just driving in my lane and there's not. How do you encourage women to have wow. the perspective of humor in the middle of the freak show? Yeah, that would be, by the way, very scary. I'd probably be my pants. It's terrifying. All days I did not have the sense of humor at the time when it was happening. There were days, and, and that's the thing. Like, don't be so hard on yourself. There are going to be days that you want to pull your hair out. There are going to be days that, you know, that you just feel like you can't handle it. But that's not every day. And I read someone, I, w- I wish this was me who thought of it, but I read it somewhere. So I'm going to say it anyway, if I'm not taking the credit for it. Whatever you're saying, say at the end of it right now, I cannot handle these children right now. Right? Yes. I am so tired right now. I feel really overwhelmed right now because it's not forever. Amen. It's not. It's a small blip of time in, in reality to eternity or even to your life right now. There were times that I went crazy. Like there's a story where I told my kids that were really little to go and get have a pee before bed. And they said, we don't have to pee. And it turns out they've been peeing in the Lego bin for weeks. And I didn't know because they just kept putting the lid back on it. And when I opened that bin, it was not nice. It was oh. a terrible day. It was terrible. I did oh, not think it was no. funny at that time. Now it's a funny story and it's in the book. Oh, but, I would have um, been all shades of hot. Like I oh, like it was terrible. Oh my goodness. Really? So, oh no. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. So I was not I was not laughing at that time, but now I laugh about it. No. Um, you know, so I want women to know that whatever their freak show looks like, maybe your kids didn't pee in the in the Lego box, but they've done <laughs> other things. And I get it. None of our lives are perfect. No. And if you are, if you are meeting your friends on Instagram, for instance, and you're seeing that beautiful house with the pumpkin on the porch and the wreath on the door, and you think that that woman's life is perfect. And if you walk into her house unannounced and go in her living room, there is laundry on her couch, just like at your house. None of us have perfect lives. Right. Yeah. And I giggle because I'm like, okay, I'm just going to tell you guys, having been an office manager before my life that office was the bomb. Like I was clean and tidy and dusted and every piece of accounting was in order and the shelves were organized. And and my husband walks in one day and goes, huh, how can we make our house like this? Like this office? (laughs) I was like, well, honey, she pays me. You don't think like, no offense. I mean, it wasn't like my house was a bomb, but it's reality. Like either your house is immaculate and your kids are, are like disasters because you've had to ignore them all day to clean your house. Or your kids are like, look how beautiful and perfect they are. And your house is a hot mess or you're off. Like we can only do so much organizing, or I've known a handful of people that their whole life, they are a slave. And I'm, and I'm being honest, they are a slave to that level of tidiness and perfection. And there's no emotional connection between them and their kids. So you gotta, you gotta realize that like, first of all, who are you competing with? The only person you're supposed to be following is Jesus. We've got to stop following all these picture perfect pretend people on Instagram and start saying, listen, like I want to do a challenge. Like you just put this idea just popped in my head test, like real life challenge. Like, okay, everybody turn around and take a picture of what your room actually looks like (laughs) and post it on Instagram. So we all stop it. We all just stop it right now and stop. And for the one lady that's going to have the perfect room, God bless you. You know, maybe don't post that day because the rest of us want to feel like normal people. We want to see the dust lines and we want to see whatever. 
But I, just in closing, Tess, I want to say thank you. I, you are like a breath of fresh air. You're, mm-hmm. you're so. I, I'm really not being trite or or disrespectful. Canadians are just nice. <laughs> I'm just what? like she's so sweet and honest. But I think I think that for those of us that grew up where honesty was was negative. Like we hid the honesty in our families, right? To keep this false mm-hmm. Instagram life that before Instagram existed, this performance oriented life, or they won't. So honesty is negative or honesty is hurtful or honesty is um, just some, or, you know, I've got to be honest. Some people are TMI people for me. I'm like, okay, we don't really, we, don't need to, we can, we can, we can, we can make, we can put honesty out there without giving me so much information. I'm, feeling super uncomfortable with this relationship. Um, but I would love to just say, uh, just as a, just as someone who admires people like you, um, I'm so grateful you had a husband and a God who somehow got your attention enough for you to sit down and write books. Because for those of us that don't consider ourselves writers or authors, we glean from this wisdom. And for ladies at home that maybe you are like me and you're like, gosh, I'm not really an author. I just want to say God has a way for you to get your message of him out and just pray about it. It could be starting a podcast. It could be starting videos. It could be, you know, pouring into your kids and someday they tell your story. You never know what your legacy is going to be. Um, and, and you've got eight boys and grandkids and, and the perspective is there. But I just love, again, that you took time to not only write, but to give some humor back into the world because, man, we need it right now. Holy moly, we need some laughs. And who better not to laugh at than yourself? I'm just like, you know, let's not take ourselves too seriously. So, Tess, thank you for this. This was wonderful. Again, ladies, I know I know you're going to hear me beat this into the ground. But as always, the information is below uh, how to get a hold of Tess, how to get her book. And, um, and even reach out for her if you have questions, uh, and let's, let's do that. Let's, I hope, um, I hope this isn't your only book, Tess, because I would love to interview you again and, uh, and just hear what God's doing. And I love that your brother has an improv tube. Just, just as we're, this is random, but can you plug that? What is, yeah. what is new? how can we laugh more, Tess? How can we yeah. laugh? It's called the fidgets. They do um, clean, clean comedy improv. They've been all over Canada, the United States, England, lots of places. He has a special on Amazon Prime. Um, yeah, they're, they're wow. hilarious. They're hilarious. Oh like your goodness. family, Tess. I know. That yeah. is like laughter. Can we just bring yeah. it back? Because it, it is the best medicine. And, yeah. and I think this is just something I've noticed the last five years. I truly believe God is honoring even those that don't yet know Christ if they're clean, because the world needs to laugh because the world needs to heal. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I believe that God is, is going to start anointing people specifically for the gift of humor, or in your case, mm-hmm. humorous writing. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever read Patrick McManus growing up. I didn't actually, mm-hmm. but my husband read him, reads him to my boys. Oh my gosh, Tess, you're going to love him. His name's Patrick mm-hmm. McManus. I will send that to you. And, yeah. um, 
he's so clean and so funny. And, mm-hmm. and I, and my kids, my husband's cry laughing, reading the book to my kids at night. Like, he's like, just a second. He's like, and I'm downstairs, like doing <laughs> dishes or whatever. Cause we have an open loft area and he's reading to him up there. And I'm, I'm starting to laugh because they're laughing so hard. I don't, Aww. I can't even quite hear what he's telling them, but I'm like, okay, someone starts laughing and someone else starts laughing and someone else. Starts, so everybody from age nine to 47 is laughing right now. That is God's plan, ladies, for our lives. I feel like humor is going to draw people to the church. So if Mm -hmm. you want to read Tessa's book, please order it today on Amazon. And man, if you laugh even twice, give that sucker away for Christmas. Give laughter away for Christmas. I'm your champion, Tess. You don't have to. Poor Tess is like, she's so sweet. She's not going (laughs) to champion herself like me. I will be, I will championing your book because we need it. You guys, we need it and God is in it. And um, we can go down rabbit holes on YouTube of being sad. Why don't we start making some rabbit holes of laughing? Let's do that. Yeah. So thank you for your time. I hope you enjoy your day. I hope the fall is, I imagine the fall to be beautiful there. I know it's beautiful in Northern Sorry. America. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. I will uh, I will keep in touch. And ladies, uh, again, reach out if you have any questions. Talk to you soon. Thank you again so much for listening. That was Tess Scott again. Her book is called Listen, Sister, Finding Hope in the Freak Show of Life. You can find that online. You can reach out to her. She's just great. Um, And her book, just so you know, it's a collection of these short, embarrassing true stories that, in her words, reveal how God teaches through every experience, right? He reminds us where our hope lies, and he hopefully can give us some humor along the way if we choose to look at it that way. And it's hard to in the moment when your toddler is covered in poop um, because they discovered they can take their diaper off and smear it all over the wall. And or they can take a permanent marker that you accidentally left out on the counter and they thought, man, that's pretty. And they just paint your walls with it. These are times that are really hard to find the humor in it. If it weren't a movie, you'd be laughing, but because it's your life, it's upsetting. But I really feel like God is trying to pull us back into his presence and for us to have this perspective of not only just peace, but even joy and laughter in the moment. So I just want to remind you also that this is going to be on our YouTube channel. If you'd like to put a face to a voice, that's a great place to find us. Or if for people that you know that aren't podcast people, but they are YouTube people, let them know. Strong Christian Female is the channel. Let them know where we are. Post it. Share it. We would love for more and more people to hear these great interviews with these wonderful folks who are really loving Jesus well. So thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time.